This is my Bible. It is God speaking to me. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can have what it says I can have. So I open my heart today to hear God speak a word that will change my life forever. If you have a Bible, would you open up to Luke chapter 2, please? Luke chapter 2. And by the way, thank you to all of you, even those of you watching online that follow along with us. And you've been supporting in many ways, even giving some of you tithing and such. We appreciate it so much. Let me also mention that Jesus Revolution movie that's coming out. Kimberly and I, several months ago, were privileged to be able to watch that, to preview it ourselves. And this uh, January 13th date that's coming up, we're one of 10 churches in the nation that gets to preview this. Okay, so it's free. But you have to sign up to reserve your seat for it if you'd like to. And you can do it either through the Rock app or go to therock.com. And the purpose of that is so that a lot of believers will see and feel how impactful it is. And then tell people so that when it comes out at the theaters, they'll be able to incentivize people to come. Okay, Luke chapter 2. Now, I'm not among the pastors that feel like on Christmas, you always have to teach about Christmas. And at Easter, you always have to teach about the Easter story. Well, two reasons. Number one, I've always felt like, God, it's your decision. What do you want to say? And so we'll just share whatever the Lord says. But also, the CEOs, the Christmas and Easter only people, because there are people that only come on Christmas and Easter, right? Well, if you only come on Christmas and Easter, all you ever hear about is Christmas and Easter, and you never hear about all the other good stuff that's in the Bible. So I've always said, well, we're just going to teach whatever the Lord says. But today, I feel like we need to focus on the Christmas story and really a particular part of the Christmas story. Let me tell you where I'm headed. I'm headed to shepherds and angels. That's what I really want to focus on, the shepherds and the angels. But I want to start here, if you'll let me read from Luke chapter 2. And verse 1, it says, And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. Caesar Augustus was the, was the emperor of the Roman Empire, which spanned many nations. It was a huge landmass. And a decree went out, and he decided, we, we want to find out who is in our empire everywhere including in Judea, including in what we know today as the land of Israel. He said, we want to know who's there. And so verse 2, this census first took place while Quirinius was governing Syria. Now watch this, verse 3. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. So all went. Say that with me. So all went. Notice, so all went. What does that mean? People are traveling. There's a lot of traveling going on. Yeah, they left. People left. They went. They went. Why? Because the emperor demanded it. And you don't mess with Rome. If Rome says you need to go back to the city where your family heritage is and register, then you do it or you're in trouble. And so there's a lot of traveling going on on the road during this time because everybody had to get back to where their family was from. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, that's up in the north of Israel, out of the city of Nazareth into Judea, that's the south of Israel, to the city of David, which is called what? 
Bethlehem. Why? Because he was of the house and lineage of David. So he had to. This was the decree of the emperor. Everybody's got to go to where their family was from. So Joseph had to come down there. And it says, to be registered, verse 5, with Mary, his betrothed wife. Now, when it says betrothed wife, this is what we would call today an engagement. It was a little different back then because back then when you were betrothed, you were committed. It wasn't like, ah, would you, you know, we're, we're planning to get married, but, you know, we could break it. Back then, it was pretty serious when you were betrothed. So it says his betrothed wife, the one he was engaged to, watch this, who was with child. So they're engaged, not yet married, but she's with child. Well, we know the story. But let's just stop and ask the question that sometimes we don't always ask. So when the baby was actually born, were they married? (laughs) And sometimes we answer confidently. (laughs) And sometimes we're right and sometimes we're not. But let me read to you from, hold your place there in Luke. Let me read to you from Matthew chapter 1. Let's find out. Okay, it says in Matthew 1, this is how Jesus Christ was born. A young woman named Mary was engaged to Joseph from King David's family. But before they were married, she learned that she was going to have a baby by God's Holy Spirit. Joseph was a good man and did not want to embarrass Mary in front of everyone, so he decided to quietly call off the wedding, break the engagement. While Joseph was thinking about this, an angel from the Lord came to him in a dream. The angel said, Joseph, the baby that Mary will have is from the Holy Spirit. Go ahead and marry her. Then after her baby is born, name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. So the Lord's promise came true, just as the prophet had said, a virgin will have a baby boy and he will be called Emmanuel, which means God with us. After Joseph woke up from that dream, he and Mary were soon married, just as the Lord's angel had told him to do. But... They did not sleep together before her baby was born. Then Joseph named him Jesus. So did they get married? Yes, they did. They did get married. But Joseph had to hear from God to be convinced of what Mary had told him. Mary had told him this angel appeared, but that had never happened before that that he knew about. But once the Lord appeared to him in a dream uh, through the angel and said, go ahead and get married. Well, then they did. They got married. Okay, so let's come back to Luke chapter 2. So the answer is what? Were they married by the time the baby came? Yes, Yes, they were. Yes, they were. So let's pick it up now in verse 6. So it was that while they were there in Bethlehem, the days were completed for her to be delivered. I think the language is a little interesting here because normally you talk about delivering a baby. But notice it says the days were completed for her to be delivered. And from what I understand from ladies, when they get all the way to the end of their pregnancy, they're ready to be delivered from this baby too. Like, you need to get this baby out, okay? So the days were completed for her to be delivered, and she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the end. So let's talk about this for a minute. She wrapped him in swaddling cloths. What does that mean? It sounds so comfy, so snuggly, just swaddling cloths. What does that mean? That means we got no baby clothes. There's no baby RS around here. We're not wealthy. There's no Amazon you can order from. 
Swaddling cloths means strips of cloths. There were strips of cloths, and like we would see around a mummy, there were, and they wrapped this baby with strips of cloths, enough to keep the baby warm, and laid the baby in a manger. So what's a manger? You know, we see it in the little nativity set, the little manger. It's a feed trough. It's a feed trough for animals, and it's not a new one. This is not a clean feed trough. This is a feed trough that has food in it from animals who are down there slobbering in there, you know, eating their food, whether it be a donkey or a horse or a cow or whatever it is. These animals have been in there and who knows for how many years eating from food that's in there. And this is where they lay baby Jesus in a feed trough. And by the way, it probably was not made out of wood like you see in pictures. Why? Because down there in southern, the southern part of Israel, and I've been there many times, you don't see pine trees all over the place. There aren't a lot of trees there. It's, it's desert. It's desert. But I tell you what you do have is rocks everywhere. And what they would do was they would form things out of rocks. They would build houses out of rocks. Rock was everywhere. And so very likely, in fact, when we go to Israel, we often will see uh, mangers or feed troughs where they've got a rock there and they carved out from the rock something and talk about lasting forever. You have a lifetime guarantee on that thing. That thing's not going to break. And likely this was not made out of wood. It's made out of rock hewn out to put the food in and that's where they laid baby Jesus. And you wonder, well, where do we get these pictures of the wooden ones? Europe. Because the Europeans, in reading these stories, they're thinking from their own context, just like we do with baby Jesus. What color is baby Jesus? Well, if you're born in a white culture, he's white. If you're born in a black culture, maybe he's black. If you're born in Asian culture, maybe baby Jesus is Asian. But he's from the Middle East, right? So he probably looks pretty much like the people of the Middle East. See, and we all will look and read our context into the scriptures, but it is what it is. What happened, happened. And so the Europeans were talking about a manger or a feed trough. Well, what they had in their day and age and in that, you know, hundreds and hundreds of years ago was they, they did them out of wood. So they just presumed that. But when you go to Israel, you find out that's not really the way it is in that geography. It's probably made out of stone. And so, and by the way, this is interesting too. You may like this or you may not. But Joseph, being a carpenter, likely was not making everything out of wood. He was likely a carpenter because he was a stonemason, a stone builder, because that's the material that they had available at the time. And so, think about this. Here is the Son of God, and he's coming, and he's not born in a hospital. He's not born even in a hotel. Because the Bible says there was no room at the inn, I-N-N. That's the hotel of the day. In other words, there's a place there in Bethlehem where people that were from out of town, if they didn't have relatives to stay with, here's a place you can rent. Well, there's no room. And why is there no room? Because the emperor said everybody's got to go back to where they came from. And so people are traveling. There's just a lot going on. There's no room at the inn. You would think that God would say, hey, this is my son, like, you better make some room for my son. Throw somebody out of the inn and put my son in the suite if there is one. 
But no, this is the way God came. God came not saying, I expect you to roll out the red carpet and serve me. God came to serve. God did not require to be born with a silver spoon in his mouth or to have a big entourage. No, he was born to a very poor couple, didn't even have a place to stay. And when Jesus was born, he's wrapped up in strips of cloth and laid down in the food where some animals had been in there slobbering. And guess what? He was happy to be here. He didn't come to be served. In fact, Jesus said that in the book of Mark. The Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life a ransom for many. But this is the reality. We read it as such a precious little story, and we think of the drawings and the pictures and the stained glass windows, but that's not reality. Reality is this is poor, primitive, no sterilization, no doctors, no nurses, no anesthesia, nothing. Humble, poor. And notice this. This is what I really wanted to get to. Look at verse 8. Now there were shepherds in the same country. What does that mean, the same country? The same country. That doesn't mean a country like a nation. It means around Bethlehem, the countryside, in that same part of Judea. There were shepherds out there in in the fields. Now, I was just there a few weeks ago. And we had 112 people on our tour. And we were there at Bethlehem looking out over the fields around Bethlehem. And I was saying to everybody, we don't know exactly where out here in the fields the shepherds were when the angel appeared to them. But they were here. We were just there. And so notice it says, now there were shepherds. Now, I'm talking to a bunch of California people. And I know some of you watching online are outside of California, but let me talk to the California people. How would you know what a shepherd looks like? Right? How would you know? You live in Southern California. I mean, you look on the Internet. You watch something on television. But how would you know? You don't know because we don't see shepherds around with their sheep. When I was over there in Israel and Jordan just a few weeks ago, we had to stop the car, actually the bus we were in, and wait because here comes an entourage of camels walking across. Well, you don't see that, you know, in, on the 605 freeway just every day, isn't that right? <laughs> and then we drive a little farther and now we have to stop because there's a whole big flock of sheep that are going across. And the shepherds there with their sticks and the sheep dogs, you know, around the back, just running back and forth to get, keep the sheep. You just don't see that every day. So I knew when we're talking about shepherds, you don't even know what a shepherd looks like. So I thought, I'm going to show you a picture of a shepherd. Ready? Here it is. That's my youngest grandson, Shepherd. That's his name. So if you want to know what a shepherd looks like, just like that. Now, that's probably not exactly what the shepherds look like in this story, okay? They were probably taller. They didn't have as cool of a hat. They were wearing more of a traditional headdress, no doubt. Uh, And let's admit it, they weren't that white. (laughs) Isn't that right? They're from the Middle East. Not only that, it says they're living out in the fields. So no matter what their natural skin color was, the sun is just going to make them a little darker. Okay, so they didn't look a lot like that, but he's cute, isn't he? Come on. 
And uh, when his hat's off, people say he looks like me. <laughs> and don't worry about why. So notice this. Now, there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields. What are they doing? Keeping watch over their flock by night. Why? Because there are wild animals out there and no doubt some thieves. And their job is to protect those sheep. And they're out there in the fields and watch this. And behold, an angel of the Lord stood before them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And watch this. And they were greatly afraid. Well, yeah, you're out there in the dark of night. There are no street lights out there. There's nothing. I mean, there's stars and that's all you got. Maybe the moon's out there and that's it. And you're there with the other shepherds and you, you say to shepherd Bob, hey, Bob, hey, uh, how, how's that one sheep that's got the bum leg? How, how, how's, he, how's he doing? Is he getting any better? You know, uh, it seems to be getting a little better, but, you know, I know it's not broken, but I've been trying to help him, but I'm really not sure what's wrong with it. And all of a sudden, you're just having a normal shepherd conversation. And all of a sudden, like standing right in front of you, is this huge angel, buff, like Arnold Schwartz's angel, right? <laughs> Just standing right there. Probably looked a little like me, but not with a green sweater, okay? And, and he's standing right there, and the Bible says, and the glory of the Lord shone all about. And it says, and they were greatly afraid. Well, you would be too. You would be too. Just talking to somebody, and then all of a sudden, somebody's just standing there. Ah! Wouldn't that freak you out? That would freak me out. Ah! And, the angel, and so what does the angel say? Watch. And so the angel said, verse 10, do not be afraid. Well, yeah, you have to say that. Have you ever noticed that's the first thing that angels almost always say? <laughs> Fear not. Well, why? Because you're scaring us. That's why. Like you're not there, and then all of a sudden, you're right there. Yeah, so these guys, ah, do not be afraid. Ugh, now you just tell me. Okay, now I'm better, but I got to go change my shorts, you know? <laughs> so do not be afraid. Now watch this. This is what I want to get to. The angel said, do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. I bring you good tidings of great joy. Tidings means news. The angel said, don't be afraid because I'm bringing you some good news that will bring great joy. And this good news will be to all people. Okay, what's the good news? Is the good news that a baby's born? A baby's born. No, babies are born regularly. Is the good news? Yeah, but this one was put in a feeding trough. <laughs> Major. Is that the good news? No, because that's kind of gross. Right? That's, what's that? That's not the good news. Look at it. Verse 10. Then the angel said, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings, good news of great joy, which will be to all people. Here's the good news. For there is born to you this day. Everybody say this day. There is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This is what the angel said. The angel said, here's the good news that brings great joy, which will be to all people. That there is born to you this day, right over here in the city of David, 
where you are, out in the country from where you are, a Savior. See, it's not that it's a baby. It's not that it's in a manger. It's not that Mary and Joseph are there or the donkey or what. It's, it's none of that. It's why he was born. Why he was born. He was born to save us from our sins. Now, I want you to step back and be the angel. Be the angel. Now, this angel, we have no idea how long ago this angel was created because angels don't age. So this angel has been around, you know, in, in our way of describing thousands of years. This angel has lived in heaven with Father God. This angel has lived in heaven with the Lord Jesus the Holy Spirit, isn't that right? This angel is seeing this. This angel has seen what's gone on on the earth, the sin of man, the rebellion, people ignoring God, acting like he doesn't exist. Even if they say they believe in him, they still don't follow him. They don't follow his instructions. They think they can just do whatever they want to do and such. And this angel has watched this. And yet the angel has watched Father God be so loving that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son. And this angel has watched the Lord Jesus decide that he, the creator, would be willing to become a human being, the created, not just for 33 years until he died, forever. That he would be willing to become a human being. And then to die in the place of every other human being to pay for their sins. This angel is watching the love of God play out. And this angel had watched for centuries these prophets that would speak out. One day, a virgin's going to have a son. And one day, he's going to die. And he'll be wounded for your transgressions, bruised for your iniquity. The chastisement for your peace will be upon him. And he's going to take stripes so that you can be healed. They watch these prophetic utterances come out. It's, it's going to come. He's, he's coming. He's going to do it. He's going to save you. He's going to pay the price. And now we get to the day where the creator shows up as a baby. And this angel is privileged among all of the angels to come and to make this announcement. He really did it. He really came. He really came to save you. He kept his promise. He's here. It's not just a religious concoction of hope or inspiration, something to get you through your life. He came. He's really going to go through with it. See, this angel had perspective. And now this angel, it's his job to tell these shepherds, you've heard about this all your life, that he's coming. The Savior is going to come and he's going to deliver you and free you. But I'm coming to announce to you that today he was born. He's here now. He's here now. Oh, this is a big deal. This is a big day. Why? It was a significant step in the progression of God redeeming anyone who would like to be redeemed. If this did not happen, if Jesus did not become human, he would not have human blood, innocent human blood. 
because no one else had innocent human blood. So he now has innocent human blood. He has a body that can be sacrificed. This was a big step. And this angel is excited about it. And this angel is telling the shepherds, man, I've got some good news. It's great joy. Now, here's what's interesting. You tell somebody this and not everybody has great joy. You know why? Because they don't understand reality. In reality, when you have sin in your life, which every human being does, and you die without being washed of that sin, instead of going to heaven to be with God, you go to an eternal hell. And so many people in the world, including people in our society, have just decided that they're going to believe there is no hell. Hell doesn't exist. And you hear some people say, I've heard people say, hey, this is hell right here. What we're going through on earth, this is hell. This is hell. Well, it may feel like hell to you, but that's not hell. Hell does exist. Just because you're, you can't emotionally handle the reality of hell, and so you just choose to not believe it so that you can disconnect emotionally and it doesn't weigh on you, okay, that's how you're coping with it. But in reality, when you die, you will find out. That was only a coping mechanism, but you were believing a lie. Because it is real. It is real. And God does not want anybody to go there. God wants everyone to be saved. For God so loved the world that he sent his only begotten son. And Jesus so loved us that he willingly came. Another thing we need to choose to believe is that Jesus came to save us. Some people say, well, you either believe it or you don't. Right, but did you know that the Bible teaches us to choose to believe it? You can choose to believe Somebody said, no, you either believe or you don't. Oh, no, you can choose to believe. Like if I told you, hey, come here, I want to talk to you. Hey, I got you a Christmas present. You did? Yeah, um, I got you a brand new car. Like, like over, over 100K, like a nice one. Well, you may laugh and say, ha, 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 I got you a plane. <laughs> no, really, really, you may think I'm joking, right? And ha, 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 ha. And I may say, hey, you know what? Listen, I'm gonna, I'll, I'll have it out here. Tonight at 6 o'clock, meet me out here. Well, if you believe me, you'll show up. If you believe me, you'll alter your schedule today and get your booty over here. I shouldn't have said that. <laughs> Got kids here. And get yourself over here and to meet me. Otherwise, you'll tell somebody, yeah, yeah. Pastor Jerry's messing with me. He said he got me a car. <laughs> Was he serious? I don't think so. See, see you, you have to choose to believe because you don't know. You haven't seen it. I didn't show you a picture. This is exactly the way it is with the good news of Jesus. You hear about it and inside, part of you says, could that be true? And another part says, I don't have the evidence. It could not be true. And you get to choose how you're going to live the rest of your life. Are you going to live the rest of your life as if you believe what you can't prove? And this is why in Mark chapter 1, the Bible says that Jesus began to preach and he said, repent and believe in the gospel. 
See, if it just happens or it doesn't, then he can't preach that. But he said, no, repent. You get to choose to repent, turn around, and believe in the gospel. We get to choose. For me, oh, I have determined. This is a settled issue in my life. For the rest of my life and all of eternity, I believe that Jesus is the Son of God and that he came in human form and was sinless and then died with all of my sin and your sin. I know it's true, but I choose to believe it. How do you know I believe it? Because of how I live. I live as if that's true. I don't just say I'm a Christian. No, my life, my decisions are following him. My life belongs to him. We exchanged. That was me on the cross dying, and this is him living. That's why I don't get to choose what I'm going to do, what career, where, how I'm going to spend my time, how I treat people. I don't choose that. See, because if I really believed that that was me on the cross, then my old person died. Somebody said, well, this is my life. Well, if you're a believer, your life died on the cross. And this is his life living through you. So that's why I yield myself to him and I say, what do you want me to do? What do you want me to do in my career? What do you want me to do in my day today? I yield everything to you. See, that's reality. And let me tell you, it's the best life ever. Letting the Lord live through you, it's a supernatural life. Somebody told me this morning in between the services, uh, and this lady's like 80, 80 years old, and she said, man, this is the best life. She said, ever since you taught me the seven steps to answer prayer, she said, it's just been miracle after miracle after miracle. I said, that's the normal Christian life, isn't it? She said, it is the normal Christian life, but you know, it's not normal for everybody. You have to believe, and then God begins to work. So watch this. I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people, for there is born to you, verse 11, this day in the city of David, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be the sign to you, you'll find a babe. So the angel is telling these shepherds, this is going to be the sign that shows you that what I'm saying is true. This will be the sign to you, you will find a babe wrapped in swaddling cloths, lying in a feed trough, a manger. And suddenly... There was with the angel, one angel, a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. So all of a sudden, while this one angel is talking, bam, an army of angels are visible to these shepherds and they're all praising God. They're not talking to the shepherds. What are they saying? Glory to God in the highest. And on earth, peace, goodwill toward men. Why are they praising God? They're praising God that he's so good, so kind, so benevolent, so loving, that even with all of the rebellion and the evil that people have done, he's still sacrificing his own son to save them. And these angels realize, the earth does not realize how blessed they are to have a creator that would do this. The earth does not realize it. So they're glorifying God that he's following through with his plan. Verse 15, so it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, 
which the Lord has made known to us. Let us now. I love this about the shepherds. And maybe this is why God chose to go to the humble shepherds instead of to the king, King Herod, or instead of to the scribes who copied the scripture, or the high priest, or the Pharisees, or the Sadducees, or all those religious leaders. He went to humble shepherds because he knew they'll believe it. And these shepherds says, let's now go. Can you imagine saying, you know what, in the next few days, we'll get around, we'll go see if we can find the baby. It's not like he's going away or anything. Oh no, they said, tonight, let's now, on the same day he was born, those shepherds got up and left those sheep and they went looking for this baby. It says, let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph. When you hear the message about Jesus, do you respond? When you hear God speaking to you, do you obey with haste? Or do you just, when you get around to it? Whenever I get around to it, then, you know, I'll obey God at my convenience. Notice these shepherds, I mean, just quick to respond. And they came with haste and found Mary and Joseph. And sure enough, here's a babe lying in a feed trough. Now, when they had seen him, they made widely known the saying which was told them concerning this child. And all those who heard it marveled at those things which were told them by the shepherds. They made widely known. They made widely known. See, the angels had to inform the shepherds. But now, it's not the angel's job to go tell everybody else. Now it's the shepherd's job. Our world right now has right at 8 billion people. Like we're right there to cross over the 8 billion mark. And have you ever wondered how you and I were so fortunate to be among the minority that have actually heard the good news about Jesus? have actually heard that we needed a savior and he came and he paid the price and now we can believe in him and follow him because most people, in fact, there are over 3 billion people on the planet that is still not heard. I remember many, many years ago, I saw a video that impacted me and I'll never forget, there was a black screen with white text and it said this, it said last year, 30 million people died having never heard the name of Jesus one time. And that was like 25 years ago. The population has increased. There are many more dying every year they've never heard. And there are people that we work with, live by, pass by, see at the grocery store all the time. They, they don't know the story. They think it's religion. And there are religions. There are even Christian religious institutions around but they don't know no this story is real the the story from the bible this is reality these shepherds not only responded immediately and made haste to go see but once they saw they can verify that there's a baby here but how can they verify that he's the savior they have to believe and they chose to believe and they made widely known today the Lord is calling on us not only to choose to believe and how you live the rest of your life will show whether or not you really believe. Do you come around and align with the believers 
Or do you just keep doing your own thing? But not only that, but will you make widely known? Because I suggest to you, the most important thing is that you follow Jesus. But second to that is that you make widely known this good news of great joy, which is to all people, that there is a Savior. And I'm telling you, nobody is destined to be lost. Everybody can be saved. Everybody can be saved. Whoever you think may be the worst sinner or the one with the hardest heart, oh yeah, Jesus died for them too. And God loves them too. God, his arms are open wide for them as well. Everybody. That's the good news. Because none of us deserve it. None of us. There's none righteous, no, not one. But Jesus came. And that's why we came to celebrate Christmas today. So I want us to do this before we leave today. First of all, we should thank the Father that he loves us so much that he sent his son. And we should thank Jesus that he was willing to become one of us. And not only that, but to live a sinless life and to die for us. But thirdly, we should ask God, Lord, strengthen me so that like these shepherds, I help other people. Why would we live our lives and let other people not know and just think that whatever they're doing is okay? And then they spend eternity in a horrible place. Why would we want to live like that? We'll regret that for eternity when we could make widely known like these shepherds. We could. Let's stand together, can we? Would you bow your head with me right where you are? Let's pray some things together. And I, I want to do this because I've met some people that say, I don't even know how to pray. If you tell me to pray, I don't even know what to say. Well, then pray along with us, but mean this in your heart because we're going to thank the Father. We're going to thank Jesus and commit our lives to him. And then we're going to ask God to strengthen us to make known the good news about Jesus. Let's pray together, everybody. Father God, thank you for sending your son Jesus. You loved us that much that you would sacrifice your own son. And Lord Jesus, thank you for coming to become a human being and to die for my sins. I know you love me. I commit my life to you, to serve you, to follow you. And now I ask you to help me to be like those shepherds and make widely known this good news. Help me tell people that want to hear and even people that don't want to hear to give them a chance to know you, to be washed of their sins 
and to become part of God's family. Give me the confidence, the boldness, the strength to tell him the good news. In Jesus' name. Everybody look up at me. Just your being here today says something. Just your being here. Not that those people that didn't come, that they're bad people, because we know that's not necessarily true. But by you coming here today, you said something to the Lord and you said something to other people. Your actions say, I believe. And so now I want to pray over you today in the name of the Lord Jesus. As Jonathan comes up to dismiss us, I pray over you today. May the Lord bless you. May he keep you. May these truths that we talked about today swell up in your heart and may it give you the strength to live the life that the Lord wants you to live and that you really want to live down deep inside. Those of you that have been struggling with some kind of a sin or addiction or bondage of some kind, may the power of God set you free as you yearn for him, as you lean into him, may you experience that freedom that comes from him, whom the sun sets free is free indeed. And may the blessing of Christmas not just be a memory or a story that you've chosen to believe, but may it be something that has changed you and does change you to where you have your own stories, testimonies, miracles, that happened because that's what God wants for you God is real God is real and he loves you and he wants to do that for you so you be blessed this Christmas we say Merry Christmas and I pray that today the warmth of the truth of what we talked about today it'll just be resonating inside of you and later on this evening you'll just have those thoughts that say He really does love me, because he does. Because he does. Can we thank God for his word? Come on, say amen.